this morning when I woke up and uh, dressed, I went into the kitchen. I just sat down for a minute. I mean, I thought that, duh, thought, it's Easter. It's Easter. And then I wondered, I wondered, do I really get it? Do I really understand what Easter is all about? The fullness of it, the breadth of it, the magnitude. Do I really get it? I hope so. And I wonder about everybody else. And I wondered about you gathering and people all over the world gathering and celebrating Easter. And I wonder, do we all get it? Do we understand why we would come and celebrate? Do we understand what it is that God wants us to know and have in our hearts and in our lives? Do we get what Easter is all about? That he loves us more than we can imagine. Do we understand that love, comprehend it? That God sent Jesus Christ to earth because he loves us in spite of who it is that we are. And that he sent Jesus Christ to earth to forgive every single sin that we've ever committed and that we will, from the biggest to the smallest. Do we understand that grace? Do we understand that love? Do we understand that he wants to be with us forever? Think about it. We sang the songs. Do we understand what that means and and what that means as far as love then? That the God who made us wants to be with us and us with him forever, ever. We're so finite, right? We think about a lifespan forever. Blows way past that. Do we understand that kind of love? And do we understand that, that he sent Jesus Christ and how hard that was to die for us out of that love? The, the words of the most famous verse in all of Scripture, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, you can put your name in there, that he sent his one and only Son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do we understand the simplicity of even that verse? What it says, what it means. The gift of God's grace, even Jesus Christ. And that he suffered and he bled and he rose again. For who? For you and me. So I wonder. I wonder about his love and his grace and what it means to follow him then in the knowledge of that love and grace. We've been spending all of the Easter season in a series entitled Following Jesus, learning about truths in terms of what it means to to pick up our feet and be and walk and move towards Jesus. We started out by looking at parts of what our mission statement here at Robles is all about, winning people to Christ. 
that what it means to follow Jesus is to share him and unite people with Jesus Christ. More on that later. And then going and growing deep to follow Jesus is to, is to know him, to, to grow in that relationship just like it would be anybody else that you have a deeper relationship with. To worship him in spirit and truth, week three, what that really means. To be present in God as a lifestyle. To use our gifts to serve him, to follow him that way to express God's love in our heart and in our life by simply opening up and serving and being, being led by truth, to to live our lives in obedience to who God is, following him, obeying, being. And then last week, simply to believe in God as the God of the impossible. Simple thing, again, hard, right, to have that kind of faith. Faith that believes that God can do anything. I would submit to you that all of those things, all of what it means to follow Jesus Christ is tied together and flows out of the truth that we're going to look this morning and the thing that we celebrate, God's love. Think about all of those things that were just shared. If we're going to follow and we're going to do it the way that he calls us and he desires us to, it has to be because we love him and we know that he loves us. Jesus shares truth about that this morning. We're going to look at that in just a moment. Read the words of Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40 where Jesus responds to this question, what's the greatest commandment? And what the Pharisees are asking him in that moment is, what's the greatest thing that we can do? If you were to nail it down to one thing, what would it be? What would it be? What would be the greatest, most important thing that we could do? What would your answer be? And as you simply seek to to follow Jesus or even to live a life, maybe you're not there yet. What do you think the greatest thing that you could do on earth be? Well, you don't have to wonder. Jesus gives you the answer. I invite you to join with me in the reading of Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. Hear the word of God. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus gives an answer. Their question, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest thing we can do? Well, It's to love God. That's the greatest thing that we can do. And I want you to think about that and to process that. Because you would probably expect a pastor, minister, whatever, to say something like that, right? It'd be something that you feel would probably be pretty common or what you would expect to hear as you gathered for a worship service, maybe especially on Easter. But it's true. Think about it for a minute. Think about your life and think about all of the things that you do. 
Is there anything greater or tied to or connected to in the things that you do to loving God? To be right with Him and to be right with other people. The first four commandments that Jesus refers to when he's talking about the greatest thing and, and that what all of the Ten Commandments flow out of, the first four have to do with God, the next six have to do with others. So right there, loving God, all your heart, soul, and mind, loving others. And I just want you to process that. Do you think that it would be loving of others if you stole from them? There's an answer. I think that was a no. You think it would be in a right relationship with God when he tells us not to steal, to steal? What about murder? What about lies and rumors? You take any one of the six and then so many other things that he teaches. You think that, that we're in a right relationship with God and that we're loving him with all our heart, soul, and mind when we do those things? I think we know the answer. And others, of course. And then you look at the first four about worshiping God, about placing God above everything else in our hearts and in our lives, not having idols. When we do that, when we make idols of something or someone, when God tells us this is what's the most important thing in our lives, are we following God? Are we loving God with all of our heart, soul, and mind? I think we know the answer to that. When we love things more than him, a person, a thing. When we idolize something and place our trust in it more than God. See, Jesus speaks truth. And he speaks it for the very reason that he came to earth and the very reason that God reveals his love because he wants you and me to live the best life ever. Is that something that you're hoping for? I know I asked this question not too terribly long ago. As you sit here today and you think about your future, starting from the time you walk out of this place to wherever it is that you're going to go, you're going to go celebrate with family today, maybe, perhaps. You're going to go somewhere then on Monday and throughout the course of the week to school, to work, with other family and friends. Do you want that to be miserable? Do you want things to... Or do you want to live, if you think about your life collectively and wholly, and you can think beyond this week, next month, next year, for all of the rest of your life on earth, do you want to live the greatest life ever that you possibly could? Amen. I think all of you would say yes. And Jesus is just simply saying, hey, I got the answer for you. You want to do the greatest things that you could to live the greatest life ever? Here it is. Love God. Love Him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then love others as yourself. Everything, the commandments and everything in life flows out of that. I think life experience, life experiences and relationships teach us that. 
if we're willing to listen and we're willing to learn. The God who made us desires the best for us always. It's pretty profound. It's pretty amazing. He tells us what the greatest thing is that we could possibly do so that we would live the greatest life possible. And just in case we're wondering what that means, what it looks like, because we have a lot of ideas about that, right? I, I think if I were to take um, and give each one of you, maybe I should have did this, a note card, and you all could have wrote down, what, what are the five greatest things that you could do, or what are your plans, your great plans for life, you would be able to write that out, at least a couple of things. See, we all have plans, we all have understandings and thoughts about what it means to live a great life. We're here this morning to celebrate the single greatest act in human history that changes everything for us and reveals what it means to live the greatest life. Knowing Jesus, loving him, accepting his grace, and then following him in the living of life. Just as he made it really clear in his word, Jesus did in terms of the greatest thing that we can do and who it is that we can be. He shares about plans and truth, about living life. His hope for each and every one of us. And it's found in Matthew 28. I want to read Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20 for you. Just break it down. Share some incredible truths. So Jesus has already um, died and been resurrected. He's meeting with 11 disciples to share uh, their purpose and their plans and mission to encapsulate it in just a a short saying, give them the, 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 the foundational understanding of what it means for them to go and turn the world upside down and to live the greatest life ever. This is what he says, starting at verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When Jesus saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. And the greatest thing is to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and our neighbors as ourselves. And then he gives us the plans in terms of what that would look like in a very condensed understanding. And I just want to share that with you when we think about grace and we think about God's presence, about rising again so that we would live because he lives. So will I, so will you. Not just again physically, but spiritually forever what a mind-blowing thought and it comes out of knowing jesus christ out of knowing his love claiming it accepting it and then simply following following doing what now a couple of things one loving god means following him to where he's at 
you know, it's pretty hard to um, follow Jesus. And if you think about even the physical aspect of it, right? If Jesus is over there and I want to follow him, I will walk over here. If he's over there, I'm going to turn around. I'm going to walk over there. I want you to think about that in terms of the living of life. And that's exactly where this starts. I never thought much about verse 16. But, but it says that, that the 11 disciples went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And so how is it that we can really follow Jesus? How can we really start to understand the plans and the purposes that he has for us? How is it that he can have him and be in his presence if we're not following him in the first place? If we're not going to where it is that he's at? And, and I want you to think about that whether you, you know him or not. I mean, a lot of people have thoughts about what this life is about. And again, you, you all could have wrote down different things in terms of things that you hope to achieve, plans and purposes. I, I hope at the top of the list that you've at least thought about what it means to, to what we're celebrating this morning, about what it means to, to have Jesus Christ in your heart and in your life. Someday that's all that's going to matter. And those are not my words. Those are the words of God. And the good news is that that's what he desires for you. The best life ever. To have him in it. His love, his goodness, his grace. And then to follow him and to go where he's at. So disciples find out where he's going to be and they go there. Would they ever have heard this had they not? Would they have gotten what this header in my Bible says is the Great Commission or to understand the purposes and plans for them to go out and change the world if they hadn't been in his presence? It's a powerful thing to think about. Going where he's at. Where is that? Well, a lot of places. It's here. Following Jesus to where he's at, we gather in the presence of God. It's in your own home. When you draw near to him and, and you read and you pray, spending time going where he's at, it's in Bible studies. It can be anywhere, using your gifts to serve him, all of those things that we talked about and, and looked at over the last six weeks. And if we really love Jesus, that's what we'll do. We'll follow him to where he's at. Those things will be a part of our lives. Will we do it perfectly? No. You see that verse there, and maybe that caused you to, if you were reading it and you maybe thought about what that meant or what was going on there. It says this in verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So here's the 11 the ones that he chose specifically to go turn the world upside down, and then we're reading that they doubt. Well, don't be too hard on them. It's just like you and me, right? When we follow Jesus and we are trying to go where he's at, don't we have doubts sometimes? Don't we wonder? Maybe even to receive Jesus Christ the first time. I don't know if that's true for anybody here. Never open up your heart to his goodness and grace. Maybe because you're doubting, you're wondering, and you're thinking things. That's okay. None of us would be 
different than anybody else if we didn't have doubts or wonderings. But what takes care of those, what changes that? It's being in His presence and starting to know Him. And to know Him is to love Him, and to love Him is to know Him. To go where He's at, and then this, what He says in verses 18 and 19. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Loving God is going where he sends you and connecting people to him. Again, go doesn't mean stay. Go, it means movement, action. Where? Where he sends you. Where do you go in a, in a given week? What places do you end up at? And here's a question when you think about life and you think about how it's panned out for you. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. Um, just trying to understand and be alert to what it is that God wants you to do and where he wants you to be at any given moment and where he's sending you. That's an important piece of understanding what he's saying. Go ye therefore. And is he speaking, by the way, is he speaking just to pastors? I don't read that. Just to leaders in the church? I don't read that. He's speaking to everybody, all followers of Jesus Christ. See, the, the plans that he has for all of us are magnificent and awesome. And when he wants you to go where he's at, and then he wants you to, to go where he sends you, that's what it's all about, just experiencing the best parts of life. Being who it is that he created, redeemed, gifted, and called you to be, wherever that might be. And one of the things that, that hopefully we're trying to instill here too is, is that, that it's about being partners in the gospel. Partners in the gospel. Because that's what's true. That's what's real. Everybody has an opportunity to share and to be Jesus Christ wherever you would go. Does that mean half a world away? Yes. Does it mean across the street? Yes. Does it mean across the room where you go to school or at work? Yes. Does it mean in your own home? Yes. Go ye therefore. That means everywhere. Part of the key is just understanding and loving him enough to be alert to that and what that means and what he wants us to do. And then the connecting piece, the uniting See, it's one thing to go, so if I came here and I showed up this morning and I just stood here, I'm here, I think there'd be a few problems. But God sent me for a purpose, to share truth, to speak. Hopefully, and, and it's what I pray every single Sunday morning, for God's grace to be revealed for people to see the love of God. 
It's not anything about me. I don't matter too much. It's just about Him. And if you understand and know His grace and His love and who it is that He's calling you to be, where He wants you to go and how He wants you to follow Him. So loving God means following Him to where He sends and then being intentional, connecting people. And then we read this in verse 20. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I want you to think about that for a minute. What do you know of God? And some of you have been followers of Jesus Christ for a very long time. So maybe you would be more inclined to answer this question. Do you know everything? There's not one of us that could answer that question, yes. We might be prideful and say that, but it wouldn't be true. I went to school a long time to learn different things. The more I learn, the more I realize, the less I know. Maybe you've heard that saying before. But here's the question. If, if God says living the best life ever and being who it is that created, redeemed, gifted, and called you to be, as followers of Jesus, is to, is to come where I'm at, then to go where I send you, and then to, to connect people to me, and then to teach them everything, here's the question. How can we teach them unless we don't know? I want you to think about that. And what would it mean to love God the way that he wants us to love? Wouldn't it be to know more about him so that we can live the right kind of life and follow him where he leads us to go? And how, do we, how do we know those things unless we learn and we grow? There, there's a great truth there. And, and, and in the culture that we live in today, I, this is just so incredibly important to know truth. See, as I stand and I look and I see you, I see people who are, I would say, are incredibly bright and intelligent. People who know all kinds of things. I look at people who know things I don't have a clue about. But I wonder, do we know the right things and we know what it means in terms of the life that God's called us to live? Can we share it? Can we explain it? If there's one thing that Satan is a master at, it's getting you and me to believe in half-truths and the world as well. If it sounds just good enough that you'd be willing to make a faith ascent and, and incorporate into your, your value system and the beliefs that you have in life, if he can get you to believe something that's partially true but isn't fully he, he, he is, that, that's the deception of Satan. He's so good at the subtle. He doesn't come out with outright lies because a lot of times we go, we know enough. Did you catch that? We know enough. But that's why he works in the half-truths. And that's why he wants you to know everything. Is it possible? Well, of course not. Is it something to strive for and that he wants? Absolutely. Why? So that you can be a teacher. And I want you to look at the people around you. Very good. I want you to look at your sisters and your brothers, your husbands and your wives, 
your children, your friends, your grandchildren. Do you love them as yourself? Do you love God enough to be somebody who teaches and helps them grow, learn? See, that's, that's what this is all about, love. A love for God and a love for them. So he wants us to keep learning so we can keep teaching. And then these last words, the end of verse 20. This is so incredibly powerful. And it's a truth that we celebrate this morning. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What a promise. To know God is to love God and to know he'll never leave you. I can't tell you how powerful that truth is. Maybe you've experienced it. Maybe you know it. Because there's times, isn't there, in the living of life, that people don't love us that way? See, this is a forever promise, and it's an unconditional statement. And we need that in our lives. Because I know you've already experienced it. There are people who will love you until they don't. There'll be people who love you until you do something they don't like. There'll be people who love you until they don't get what they want. There'll be people who love you if you've done something wrong and hurt them, but I would submit to you that is not the love of God. And he gives you a promise in his word on Easter morning. I loved you enough. In spite of all of your sin, despite who it is that you are, I loved you enough to send my son to die for you. I love you enough because I want to spend the rest of eternity with you. I want to be with you forever and you to experience what that means in the living of life as flesh and blood, the best life ever. And that's my promise to you if you open up your heart. To my love, if you open up my heart. To my grace, to my forgiveness, I'll show you what it means. And I'll keep my promise. Surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. I'll love you like nobody, unconditionally, always. Is there power in those words? Absolutely. It's the power of Christ. Friends, I hope as you gathered, as you gathered with family and with others, I hope that you love them deeply. I hope that you can look around this place 
love deeply. I hope as you celebrate God's grace, you love him deeply. And that you've opened up your heart to that love because you're on your way to the best life ever. Will you pray with me? Lord God, I thank you and I praise you for your love. Lord, sometimes we struggle with really grasping the fullness of that. We grasp the fullness of why we live and breathe. We struggle, oh Lord, to grasp purpose and plans. We think we've got it figured out and then we don't. We struggle, oh Lord, to grasp what this thing called love is because at times we don't love and at times we're not loved. We see it through human experience and who it is that people are. But Lord, you call us to something better, something profound, something amazing as the words to the song we just sang. Something amazing, your love, your grace that changes everything and that you reveal to change our relationship with you to change our relationship with everyone. So, Lord, this morning, if there's anyone that's struggling or wondering about your grace, I pray, O oh Lord, that you'd reveal your love and your mercy to them. Lord, you reveal to them what this morning is all about, your love and your grace given in Jesus Christ to come into a heart and to change a life forever. To start and set in motion the best life ever. And to have you in heart and with them always, always, even in the darkest and hardest times. You are a good and a gracious God, and we praise you for the truth of Easter. Because he lives, so shall we. With humility and with gratitude, we pray. Amen.